Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Prepare is a time where we as a church intentionally seek after what God has for us by praying and fasting for three days. In addition to praying and fasting together, we'll also gather for three nights of worship, prayer, and encouraging messages from special guest speakers. Today we have Pastor Jeff Little for night one of Prepare Fall 2020. Good to see all of you. Come on. Y'all excited? We're excited about every one of you as well that are watching online. We have our McKinney campus that is streaming live with us. We have a whole group of folks at the Bowden Event Center on 1709 here close to our Keller campus. We have Hazlitt campus folks out there. And uh, we're excited about what God's doing in Hazlitt as you guys are there at the hotel. We have a group at the Music Bed, Young Adults. I got a text on the way here, said they've got a whole group of young adults meeting. We have people in watch parties. We have people online. All of us together in our first ever fall version of Prepare. All right, let's put our hands together and celebrate all of you that are joining us. We're glad you're here with us. And again, it's our first time to ever do this in the fall, but when you have challenging circumstances, when you have intense situations, sometimes that requires doubling down with a little more intense spiritual activity. And to have something that you've never had before, sometimes you have to do what you've never done. And you might need to fast twice a year, not just to get rid of the Christmas pounds, but you got, got to get rid of the COVID-19 too. Are y'all with me? So uh, it's, it's such a powerful thing. Here's what I know. All of you watching online, all of you in the different venues, all of you here, here's what I know. I want to get us started for the next few days, all right? How many of y'all are fasting? Raise your hand if you're fasting. A lot of you. How many of you fasting for the first time, maybe right out there in the venue, okay? A lot of you fasting. Let's give them a round of applause. A lot of you fasting for the first time. That's amazing. It's amazing. And it's a spiritual discipline. It's been a practice for centuries. And it's not just about dieting or abstaining from food. It's about getting ourselves in a position to experience God and for God to show up in a powerful way. So I want to make you this promise. Stay with it. Hang in there the next few days. Fast, pray, seek God. We come together and worship like that. God inhabits the praises of his people. How many of y'all enjoyed that worship time that we just had? So powerful. So I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're specifically facing, but I do know this. God wants to show up in your life, and he wants you to experience him. And I, I want to get us started. Um, I've been speaking recently a lot about just kind of getting us mobilized and some practical things. We have Pastor Brett Fuller on Tuesday. We have Steve Robinson on Wednesday, and I know they're going to bring us so many practical insights and truths. But I want to get us started with something that you may are having some connection to, it may be something that you're hungry for that you don't know you're hungry for. I want to try to make it a little practical, and that is, what does it mean to experience the presence of God? You know, you hear people say, I experienced God. I, I had a moment with God. Whatever semantics that you use, you hear me say, look, we're going to gather, we're going to fast, we're going to pray, and God's going to show up. To experience God, you may hear someone say, man, I need a touch from God. Sometimes we just say, help God, I just need some help. Y'all ever been there? I know I have. It was just like, Lord, just whatever you do, do it. Because I need God to show up. A moment with God, the power of God, a touch from God, experience God. You hear people talk about the presence of God. Sometimes you gotta say it real spiritual. The presence of God. You know, there's like, wow, you know a God I don't know. What does that mean? What does it mean? I don't get it. I mean, I thought, you know, we just kind of intellectually ascend to all of these characteristics of this deity, this figure that lives in the sky. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I grew up in church. I grew up around the Bible. I'm thankful for the word of God in my life. I'm thankful for a home where my parents had me memorize the Bible Hide your word in Jeff's heart, my mom would say. Hide that word in his heart that he may not sin against you, and I was good at it. 
But that word was in there working. It's in there working. It's a powerful, powerful thing. But in the church I grew up in, it's like I didn't know about this sort of thing that's out there, this intangible, this, this experience God kind of stuff because we just, we just learned about God. We just studied God. But a lot of times we didn't know how to experience him, feel him, get him to change our motivations because here's what I've learned about human beings. You can know all the right principles, but if God doesn't move your heart, if you don't experience him, if you don't feel his presence, and I'm not talking about lots of times, we're Christians, we don't care what we feel. We're just robots for God. We just, whatever he says we do, we just move forward. No, you don't. You have an external version of religion that you try to meet the protocols, but you're all the time struggling with the fact that your heart doesn't want to do what you're told to do. But when the power of God starts to work in your life, when the presence of God starts changing your want-tos, when you start knowing he's a good father, he's for me, like when you feel and sense his love for you, it starts changing your behaviors. It starts changing your want-tos. I'll be honest, I remember, now I always loved church, but I remembered when, man, I, I, I can't wait to get to church. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like when you're sitting there doodling going, when's this guy gonna shut up so we can go beat the Methodist over there to Grandy's or somewhere? Y'all don't even know what Grandy's is. <laughs> Golden Corral, praise God. We're gonna go buffet our bodies. Shouldn't be talking about food, we're fasting. When's this gonna be over? Because I wanna meet my duty and check the box because I'm not getting a lot. But when you start experiencing God, when you start to know God, when you start to have God as a real relationship, man, it's a game changer. My wife took me to a church like that. I showed up at her church. They were doing what we're doing, fasting, praying, singing. I thought, these people have emotional issues. They need counseling or something. You know, I don't even know if God's for this. Is, uh, I kept having a thought, is this legal? Is this, is this okay? I thought he was just, just fry us, you know, at some point, you know, lightning would strike the building. But I saw something. Of course, there can be immaturities in that experiential. There can be some things that get off course in that a little bit, but I, I saw a raw hunger in that. I saw something like, man, I, I don't know the God they know. I don't, I don't know him like that. I, I know about him. I could win the Bible drill contest, but I, I don't know the God they're worshiping. I, I don't know the one they're talking to like he's their friend. I don't know that God. And I want to tell you something that has marked who we are. If you're new here, you're coming, and maybe you're a part of the Milestone family, you need to be reminded. We are a word and spirit church. We are word and spirit. You know, there's people like, when are they going to get done with this music? Because I'm ready for Pastor Jeff to preach the word. Well, you're going to miss something. Because the Spirit of God illuminates the Word of God. The Spirit of God will change your heart to live the Word of God. So there's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, part of the Godhead. These are not just, we're not trying to, we're trying to understand it. You really can't extract it all. But just so you can understand it, the word of God, again, the principles of God, but you need the spirit of God to have the power of God to live the principles of God. And right there, how many of y'all love a good Venn diagram? Come on, anybody out there? You know, I mean, God, I mean, God works through a Venn diagram. I mean, come on now. And so right there at that mesh point, when you lean into maybe when it's not natural, the experience with God and the word of God that is true and tells us who God is and keeps us from defining our God by our experiences, because our experiences may not align with the word, it all has to mesh together, but it's when those two things start coming together, I'm telling you, powerful stuff starts to happen. Oh, it's, it's a powerful, powerful combination. It's the bones in Ezekiel 37 with the breath, not just the bones. 
I've been around some good dusty old bones that were so ripe but so ineffective. And I've seen the breath blow around and just become a lot of hot air with no real effectiveness. I'm telling you, when you marry the breath of God with the army of God combined together, you start to move the kingdom of God forward and it's dynamic. It dislodges things in the spiritual realm in your life. And I wanna talk a little bit about the experience of God. Quite honestly, we're better in our culture with the principles. We really believe like if everyone knew the right thing to do, then it would be transformational. The problem is people just don't know what the right thing is. We're, we're much more, did you know in scripture, we're much more Greek. The Greeks were more analytical. I studied biblical languages in college and in seminary. The, the Greek language is more scientific. It's more practical. The Hebrew language is more poetic. It's more experiential. It's, they're, they're, the truth is, quite honestly, again, I'm not beating us up. I'm in there with you. We in Western culture have trouble reading a book that's way more Eastern. I mean, people in the underground church in China understand this better. People in Africa understand it better. They because why? They understand the experiential side of God. It's not just what can you put in a test tube, what can you kind of spit out like a math problem about God and that'll change the world. There's an experience with God in his power and his spirit that changes you from the inside out that changes you in a powerful way. And that's my heart for you these few days. That's why we fast, that's why we pray, that's why we sing these songs, that's why we do pre-service prayer, because I want you to know how to, in your everyday life, get in the presence of God. You know how you make it through a crisis? You know how to get into the presence of God. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. You know how to go there. I taught my children how to get in the presence of God. When we pray at night, it's not, here are the right things to pray. We wanna experience God when I do prayer times with them and many of them now moved off in college. It's like, how do we experience God? How do we experience the Spirit? Me and Lainey, right now, Lainey, Kate and I, we're studying the Holy Spirit. We, we, we study the scripture a little bit, but we get hung up. And she may forget and doesn't read this, but it's not just about her reading through the list of all of the didactic teaching principles of the Holy Spirit. I want her to know the Holy Spirit. I want her to not experience the Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna ask you to go to an interesting place that you might not have thought this is where we would go if we're gonna talk about how to experience God. I'm gonna ask you for those of you in all the venues and online to go to the book of Job. Job chapter nine. We're not gonna be able to trek through every single verse. I'm gonna put it on the screen. And we're gonna look at this person who I think has something to say to us about why we may have some barriers to experiencing God, okay? There's so many places we can go. Moses, Moses experienced God at a burning bush. I've had that song in my head. I've had that song here at the Keller campus. Jeannie's on the front row. She sang it at my dad's funeral. It's one of his favorites. I'm standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels all around. I've been singing that all week. I'm standing on holy ground because I come into his presence. It's not just an emotional thing. It's a perspective that he is an all-powerful God and his presence is with me. I'm standing on holy ground. It's Moses. It's Isaiah where he sees the Lord high and lifted up. It's David where he says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, where he knows that the presence of God has everything that his soul longs for, everything that his heart is looking for. It's Jesus when he takes a few of his disciples up on the Mount of Transfiguration and they experience this powerful moment and they're so struck by the power of God and who God is in this experience, they're like, can we just live here? Can we just stay here? Because it's so powerful. And one of my passions for our church all along has been when Paul said to that church in Thessalonica, he said to that word and spirit church, he said to them, we don't really need any billboards. This is the Jeff Little version. We don't need a lot of marketing. 
We, we, we really don't need to send out an email campaign about you. We don't really have to tell everybody about you because they're already hearing about you. Because you are a group of people who received this message of the gospel with full conviction, word, and power. The power of the Holy Spirit. Because you are a word and spirit people, you are now transforming and you are going into every area, like everybody that meets you, they say, wait a minute, these people have the word, they have the power, they got, wait a minute, what's different about them? Oh, there's, there's a spirit, there's an intangible, the Holy Spirit. And so I think about these experiences that we see in the Bible, and honestly, why do I put this on? It's, it's work, it's energy, it's time, we all got stuff to do if you encounter them. If you experience him, your life will be changed forever. Forever and ever. You'll, you'll never, ever be able to find a deal, a vacation, a drug, an activity that can satisfy your soul. One moment in the presence of God will change you forever. It'll change you forever and ever. It's my desire for you. And I know we need it to dislodge some stuff, you know? The other day, my daughters and I, we were out in the front yard. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a girl dad, my son moved off and we were playing volleyball. I don't even know how to play it, but uh, I was trying, you know? And I just figured, you know, anything you're gonna hit, you might as well hit it hard. I don't have a lot of touch. So, I mean, I was just gonna be like, look, I don't really know how to hit it in the right direction, but I'm gonna hit it hard. So I just said, look at this, girls. Wham! I hit it and it went up in the tree and stuck. It just stuck up there. So I'm thinking, how am I gonna get that volleyball out? So I went in the garage and I got the broom and I threw it up there and it got stuck. <laughs> then I went and got a bigger broom and I threw it up there and it, it stuck. I'm, I'm not making this up. I had, by the end of throwing stuff up there, I had a football two rakes and two brooms in the tree in my front yard. The volleyball's still there. I'm thinking, what am I gonna do? Well, my neighbor, I think her dad was a coach. She played softball and so she sees me over there in a panic and she went and got one of her softballs. Two or three throws, she knocked that volleyball right out of there. Now I still got all that other stuff stuck up there that I don't know how, it's in my yard now. It's a decoration, you, you'd really like it. This season of time, there's stuff stuck in your soul. There's stuff stuck in your life. There's stuff, and you're like, what do we do? It's like, I'm not myself. I'm not right. I'm not, it's not, it's not flowing. I don't know what the problem is. And here's what it is. It's not about the church building. We got people meeting everywhere. It's about the fact that somehow, by way of taking a break due to a pandemic, we took a break from the presence of God. We took a break from our faith. And what happened was we looked up and there's all this junk stuck in the tree of our soul. And here's what we're gonna do this week. Get it out. Get it out. Let the presence of God get it out. I wanna to talk to you about Job. Job is such a powerful place. I received a, a prophetic word from somebody in our church reminding me, Pastor, that this year at Prepare, you said our word for our church is purify or purity or pure. Why did I say that? I, I mean, next year it's going to be Jubilee. You know, your debts are canceled. You know, it's going to be the year of harvest. It's going to be the year of increase. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. As I prayed, I felt like, you know what, this year is a year of purifying. Boy, did I not know. Anybody with me? It's like, can, are we clean yet? Can we kind of move? Whatever, Lord, we're ready to move on. There's no greater book in the Bible that shows you the process of God to purify the understanding of a human being's reality in terms of the God that they serve than the book of Job. The book of Job is the oldest manuscript in the Bible, by the way. It's the oldest book. It's the oldest information. Scholars believe that he lived between Adam and Noah. 
Some of you know some of the stories of Job. Some of you listening to me out there, you're like, I know about this guy. Isn't this a guy that everything bad happened to him? Well, he did. He had a lot of challenging things that happened. A lot of challenging things. He had financial ruin. He had health crisis. He had family problems. He had death in his family. He, he had sickness. He, he had all kinds of negative things that happened to him. Some very difficult circumstances. Some people get caught up in this book missing the point. They debate whether, okay, wait a minute, did Satan do it? If God's good, how can Satan, and if God's over Satan, then how did Satan, and did God, God allowed Satan? Look, Satan's not the main character of the book. He makes a small appearance. He's not the main character, okay? And, and by the way, handling difficulty in life, here's why I'm talking to you about this, because it ends in the presence of God, but it begins with a person we can all relate to. Because all of us have challenging circumstances if we live this life. And by the way, as I have for 25 years worked with people, one of the number one things that causes people to disconnect from God. Many people who are professing atheists today are because they don't know how to sort out the fact that their father left them, their wife left them, their husband left them, I got sick, my grandmother died. We don't know how in this life to process the fact that we have an all-loving, perfect God, but we live in a fallen world where there's pain and challenges. And sometimes people over-glorify the suffering and the pain, saying, look, man, God kind of wants us to have a lot more of that so that we'll love God more, and I think that's a wrong perspective. There's also a whole other perspective that's like some friends that are in here with Job. When Job starts having problems, he not only has all of his problems, he has a few good religious folk. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Religious people. There's three friends who start criticizing him and saying, look, it's your fault and that. God bless religious people. They think they're helping by being critical. They think they're helping by looking at everyone else's flaws and never measuring themselves by the same standards that they measure everybody else according to. They think they are. God bless their soul. And it's, it, we're all susceptible to it. But he's got those friends, he's got religious people, he's got all this challenge and all these circumstances and a lot of people miss what it's really all about. I wanna go back. It's about all of the parts of the story that we get caught in is what we miss. It's really all about how does a human being who is frail and has their deficiencies and understanding that is clouded by the problems of their life, how does that human being in their limited understanding have a relationship and walk in the presence of an almighty holy God that is so opposite of the human being. It's said here by Joel, Job, in the middle of it. Job says, if only, Job 9, if only there were someone to meditate or mediate between us, someone to bring us together, someone to remove God's rod from me. So he sees such a separation, such a, such a distance here He's saying, how do I get us back in a place of connection? How do I get us back in a place where we're in relationship? How, how, do, how does that come into, do we need someone to, to mediate between us? See, he's actually pointing to what happens in Jesus. Another problem a lot of people have by looking back at the book of Job is you have to also now interpret the book of Job through the lens of now what Jesus has finished on the cross for us and though we have similarities to his problems and his process, we have a great advantage. We have a great advantage because the mediator that he's praying for has come in the person of Jesus Christ who comes to give us that opportunity to live in the presence of God. He's looking to that. I love in, verse, in chapter 19, verse 25, he says, I know that my redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. After my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him. Notice he starts in a place to where I gotta get connected to him. Maybe I need, I need this judge to hear my prayers, to hear my cries. We maybe need a mediator to now he's saying, I know he lives, that in the end he will stand on the earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another how my heart yearns within me. 
And I wanna camp out for just a minute on what I believe can happen for us. We've been through some challenging times recently. We all can think of a time in our life, or maybe you're in it right now, where you're just like, man, I just feel like everything is coming against me. It's like my health, my this, it's like one thing after another. And in this life we face, it. The, the, the Job story brings such a radical example that it's like, man, if Job can make it out of that, you know, I always say sometimes the best way to be encouraged is find somebody with more problems than you. Are y'all with me? Just, you like, you're like, my life is terrible. And then you meet somebody and you go, whoa, man, man, wow, I feel better today. I mean, that is, whoa. Job is such a radical example Yet it's pointing all of us to the same place. And here's my heart for you this week is what he says right here. My ears had heard of you. This is where it all ends up, where God restores everything back to him. He comes into relationship with his God. He says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. What he was looking into the picture of a day where he could see the revelation of God and have a relationship with him. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. So here's my prayer for you this week. I don't know how much you've heard about God. I don't know how much you know about God. I believe there are people listening online and you're like, I, I, I just know I have a lot of problems like Job and, and, I, and I don't really know a lot about God, but you sound very convincing that I am really in search of his presence. And and God wants you to know him. He wants you to learn about him. He wants you to understand his word. He also wants to show you how to experience him by his spirit. But there's some of you here, you know some things about God. You know some truth. Some of you are very studied in the areas of knowing about God. Some of you in here could win some Bible classes. You know a lot of analytics. You actually know logically how to deduce things. You know how to figure things out. You, you would be someone who has a lot of things that you understand about God, but this week, maybe, no matter what your age or what your experience is, maybe it will not just be what you've heard about him, but what you've seen for yourself. Where you go? See, we need, I believe we're in a moment here if we'll just, it, it, now I'm gonna talk to you a minute about some things you have to press past, but when's the last time you had a, wow, God, <laughs> God showed up here. When's the last time you had a but God? Oh my goodness, because God has this big, there's several, there's some chapters there where he's talking to Job about, you know, and it, it gets real strong, you know, like he starts showing him now, there's a whole lot you have done, but there's a whole lot other about me. I'm a lot bigger than you probably imagine. I'm way more powerful than you probably know. And so God is consistently wanting to reveal to us a perspective of who he is in his presence that is so powerful, so powerful. I forget that I live around you know you and our church and like I get to see things and our staff tells us things and so I, I forget a lot of times like we're, we consistently are hearing a but God story. Like all the time, like we had staff meeting this week, we had probably one of the best staff meetings We've had in years, man. We prayed, we worshiped, and, and I didn't even know this was gonna happen. And, and one of our team members just got right here. We were all right in our Keller Campus Sanctuary, and she started reading about this interaction that she had with a lady. I had her read it at our leadership meeting the other night. It's like, I was just sitting there just going, what? Wow. She had an interaction with a lady who, whose husband left her right at the beginning of this whole thing. Just, just off out there and just, just left, just left her. And she was just heartbroken. And one of our team members just started praying with her and started crying with her and, and, and just, just being an extension of God's grace to her and reaching out to her and not knowing if her husband would come back, but just praying and believing. And her husband, he got online the week that I preached on the ministry of reconciliation. And God touched his heart. It's not because I was preaching the message. It's because the presence of God touched his heart. And God changed him. And man, we were just sitting there. Now, while she's reading that, I'm thinking about her. 
I'm thinking, man, that's so powerful. And God brought him back and they reunited. And how many of you know that's the heart of God to bring that marriage back together? And I'm just going, wow, God, thank you so much for doing that. And then I'm sitting there and I'm listening to her read the story. And I'm thinking, not many years ago, she was a Muslim. She's on our team. She did not know Jesus. She did not believe in Jesus. She she gave her heart to Jesus, and then I get real emotional because she started, as she became part of our church, started praying for her parents who come from Muslim backgrounds, and they don't know about Jesus. And I looked at her, and I just started thinking about her parents who sit right over here at the Keller campus, and I watch them worship, and it breaks my heart, and I think, man, God, you're awesome. You do amazing things. Your presence is unstoppable. Oh, how we limit you from your power in our lives. What would happen if we just began to say, Lord, show up by your presence in my home, in my neighborhood, in my heart, my anxiety, my depression, my friendships, my relationships. What would happen? Job's a radical example to show us if God can do it in his life, he can do it in ours. He can do it in ours. That's a radical story. In fact, I'm giving you the easy, I'm giving you the PG version because some of y'all can't handle it. Go read it. What's, what's keeping us from it? Those of you online, those of you at the venues, let's talk about it. How do we experience the presence of God? What do I see in this story that could help us have more of those, man, God, in his presence type moments, in our soul, in our lives. Number one, he had a moment where he really recognized his need. See, early on in the story, he's, he's thinking, man, I know how to do this. He knew all the right sacrifices. He knew all the right religious rituals. He, he knew all the stuff. He did all the stuff. He knew how to play the game. He knew how to, you know, do the right stuff, sing the songs, do the deal. Like he had all the religious ritual down. He knew how to do it. Did you know even something amazing about him? He thought, I want you to hear this real quick. Parents of children, we're not, we're not as far away from this way. He thought... I'm so good at religious sacrifice, I can do it for my kids. Like, I'll be so religious that the religious activity will spill to them. And God said, no, 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 no. Your performance before me will never work the desires that I have for the people that I walk with. No, 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 no. That's not what's gonna change your kids your right sacrifices. It's my presence. And he came to a place in the story in his interaction with God where he began to see, I need him. I need a relationship with him. Can I get an attorney? Can I get someone to appeal to the judge? Can I get somebody to go and plead my case before him? Can somebody help me explain what I'm trying to say to him? Can somebody help me with this? Because I need him, I need him, I need him. Have you had that moment in your life where the religious activity just doesn't even satisfy? But I, I, I love the word of God. We preach the Bible in this church. We're gonna go through the book of Ephesians. Pastor Jed, who's over at the Bowden preached a, I told him the other day, I said, man, you were hanging on the rim, brother, preaching that Bible word he preached the other day. Coach Tom, this weekend, preached the Bible, preached the Bible. But let me, I want you to hear this. I believe that the word of God is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. It divides bone and marrow. It will judge us in eternity. But hear me, hear me, Greek analytical people, suburban performance-oriented people, hear me and hear me well. Jesus told a group of Pharisees, you know how to read that book? You search it but you don't know how to experience me so it doesn't have power. You read it for the study of the information, but you don't know how to come to me, and in fact, it can kill. The letter can kill. The letter can bring, the law can kill if it's not mixed with the relationship. That's, there's power in the 
word and the spirit, the experience of God. And so he came to that place. He, he came to that place where he goes, I, I need him. I, I need it. I've watched in my own life, I know we still have people who are in the process of regathering and we have people online who may never gather with us. But I will tell you, I've seen that, that, that hunger, that vacuum, that need for his presence because there is something about being as he gathers in his manifested presence. I talk about it a lot because I think it's one of the most misunderstood things in our, our world here and that is God is omnipresent. This is what I didn't know as a kid. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. There's nowhere that he's not, but there is a difference in his manifest presence. Well, I'm gonna tell you, when God's in the room, okay, he's everywhere, but I'm talking about when he starts moving in the hearts of people in a powerful way. When the word is combined with the spirit, it breaks chains. It breaks open hearts. It's a, it's a powerful thing. And I know the first time after us, you know, weeks of speaking to a camera, I came here and just invited some people to come listen. And I just started crying, man, when I started. I just, everybody gathered, where two or three are gathered, there I am in their midst. Man, I got, I, you may have experienced that. I saw, I've had friends, I had a friend of mine this weekend that I invited, and he says, first time I've been since March, and he's a tough football coach, and man, he had big old tears in his eyes. And I said, yeah. Yeah, the presence of God. The presence of God, it'll melt the strongest of people. Man, I need him. I need him in my life. You will experience the presence of God at the level of the revelation of how much you need him. That's why pain, though, it, it doesn't have to take pain, but that's why pain softens the human heart, because we come to the end of ourselves and we say, oh man, I just, I need him. I remember when my dad was sick, my dad passed away in October, but 10 years before that, he had a illness and a surgery that, that, that was challenged and he ended up in ICU for six months. And, and uh, I, again, I've been in ministry and pastored people, but I, I was there, not just as the chaplain, but you know, I was there hurting myself because I thought my dad was going to die, you know, and I prayed over him one day and then I'd go visit him in that hospital and I wasn't just going as the official clergy who had some answers and help for the people that were hurting. I went in as a patient. I went in as someone who was concerned for somebody I loved and it softened my heart. I told my wife, I said, I think God healed my dad and got him out of there because the devil didn't want me in there anymore. Because I was a threat. Because one, my heart was softened because I knew I needed God and I was desperately praying for my dad. And then because the presence of God, every time he gets in your heart, you want to give him away to somebody else. So I just started rolling up in every I see. What are y'all dealing with? I got some oil here. I don't know if you believe in that. Like, we believe in anything. You get enough problems, you're like, that church is charismatic. You'll get charismatic, you get enough problems. You'll be like, oil, Quaker State, we'll take any of it. I mean, oil, I mean, whatever you got, we'll pour it on me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't raise hands. Get some problems. You'll be like, Jesus. You're like, whatever works. But when we know we need him, then we experience his presence. The second part of this was Job had to repent. You're like, wait a minute, wasn't he the one who had all the bad stuff? So if he's the one having all the bad things that are happening, why does he need to repent? Well, what you learn in the story is he had to repent from being self-sufficient. He had to repent from his pride because the whole story, by the way, everyone gets into, when they talk about Job, it, they think it's about the what. What happened to Job? And who did it? And whose fault was it? And what about this? And no, no, that's not the meaning of the story. It's just like, why did it happen? That's not the thing. The story's about who. Who is God to Job? And so Job had to repent for self-sufficiency. You know, one of the greatest robbers of the presence of God in our lives 
is our own ability to fix our own situations, to solve our own problems, to strategize our way out of the pandemic, to come up with a calculated diagram of how we're gonna solve this, to come up with a way of how we're gonna get somebody else to do what we need them to do so we can solve all of this. And you're like, Pastor, have you ever done that? Guilty as charged. It's my default. And that's why God's had to put me close to pain. Put me close to pain in my own life. And as I've gotten older and I've been close to pain, close to people's problems, I was, I was, I was getting emotional on the front row when Tyron was reading because those are real people. Those are real people. Those needs are so real to them. And when you're around it, you're just like, Lord, I repent for thinking I am God. I repent for thinking that I can get enough self-indulgence to fix all of my own problems. I repent, I need you. I need you, I need your presence in my life. Self-sufficiency, fear of rejection. Some of you are like, Jeff, you're talking about me connecting with God. It's like, what if God doesn't wanna be with me? What if God doesn't want anything to do with me? Because all the people in my life that I've been around, like. They don't want they want me to perform so that I can, you know, be acceptable in their presence. And that's Job didn't understand God. And you may not understand God. Can I tell you? He's desperately wanting to meet with you. He will not reject you. He will not forsake you. He will not turn you away. And you may have had hurt in your life that you've attributed to God. Tell you, he, that, you, you have a perspective that, okay, wait a minute, this hurt came and I'm mad at you and I don't want to be close to you because this happened to me. And you know, you have to come and say, you know what? Repent means change your mind. Change your mind about who God is. You might say, man, I got so much shame in my life. I've got so many problems. I've got so many things I've done wrong. And that's why Job was looking to a place where there was a mediator of a new relationship with God through the person Jesus Christ. That God put on him every single sin. He was crucified for us and risen from the dead so that we now can come into the presence of God, not on the basis of our worthiness, but on the basis of his worthiness. God made him to be sin on our behalf so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we don't have to say, well, I don't know, I got this, I got this. Just bring it all he knows anyway. Just bring it all to him. Just bring it just, just as you are. Just, just bring every bit of it right into his presence and watch him change you. Watch him melt away all of those things that have been barriers, fear of rejection. I know some of you even, you're like, Pastor Jeff, you know, he's like, I would rather have like five points of some kind of analytical word study. And you're like, Pastor Jeff, by the way, this is the secret sauce of Milestone Church, word and spirit, by the way. It's the experience of God. You're like, I don't know if I wanna do that, I could become weird. You're already weird. <laughs> We're weird, do you, have you ever thought about that? We're all weird. We're weird about whatever it is we're weird about. But I'm gonna tell you again, when you start going, you know what, I want that, I, I want that presence in my life. I don't care if people think I'm weird. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going after what God has for my life. And what happens is you repent and change your mind and say, okay, I'm going. Here's, here's the final thing. There's a restoration that happens. There's a restoration on the backside of the presence of God. And what happens is now, I want you to hear this because some of you have a lot of fractured things in your life. And you've been trying to, if I could get this person with this person to fix this, to fix that, and you've been trying to kind of put together the broken puzzle pieces to get it all mended back up and right. And what you don't understand is, in the presence of God, in one moment, restoration can happen in the presence of God. In Job's life, when he repented, when he recognized his need, when he started to seek after God, when he saw God for who God is, there was restoration not only of his life, but even his relationship with those religious friends who were very bad to him. 
It heals relationships. It brings reconciliation. It causes you, by the way, when you get in the presence of God, it will give you an anointing and a grace to break through in the hardest of situations in the hardest of hearts when you've experienced his presence. I'm not talking about authority that comes from position. They looked at Jesus and said, he speaks as one having authority. Why? He spoke from a position of pleasing his father. He knew who he was because he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And so there was power in those situations to bring healing, to bring restoration, to, to bring restoration out of the broken places. You'll start having compassion for others. You'll have a greater compassion quotient when you get in the presence of God, when you know you need him, you know? I have a daughter who has a, a physical illness. My wife had arthritis. In fact, one of the first ones of these that we had, early days of the church, we hadn't even formalized. My wife had arthritis so bad that she was having trouble walking to take our kids to school. And in one of these fasting and prayer meetings, during worship, God touched her and healed her and she's never had it again. Never had it again. So I have a daughter now who struggles with that. And so I, I find myself when I'm with her at medical appointments or when I, when I get around people that have pain, I feel it different, which gives me authority, not positional authority, but relational authority to let Jesus through my pain touch their heart. There's people in your life that you love that you want them to get the breakthrough, but what you haven't realized is the breakthrough's in you. It's the breakthrough that has to come to you. You're not going to principle them into the right activity. You're gonna presence them. The presence of God flowing through your heart and your life Oh, if you're a real principal person, it's going great on you. You're like, they should do right. That's what's right. But God's going, oh yeah, it's right. You know God's not going to change right. Right is right and right will always be right because right is defined by the word of God. But it's the spirit of God that changes the human heart to want to do right. And it's when that begins to flow into the human heart through a person who's experienced God's presence, there's restoration that begins to happen in those situations. I've told this story in multiple churches. I'm gonna tell it and then I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna really ask our worship team to come because I really believe God, I just, I just believe God wants to touch you tonight. He wants to touch you in your heart. Just you, right where you're at. Some of you need to repent. Some of you need to recognize. I don't know what it is, but I believe they're in your venues. They're in your house. God wants to touch you. God wants to touch your heart right where you are. I've told this story in multiple churches and in multiple places in front of hundreds and hundreds of people. I think I've told it here a little while back, but just had one of these moments where I saw kind of this Job situation. I was teaching at our 101 class. I love to just stand out there and shake hands with people, love people. That's why I didn't do so good in quarantine. I like the people. I tried quarantine. I don't like it. I gave up on it. <laughs> and so I just, it's okay if you're in quarantine, don't email me. I'm not going to read it. But I was standing there and there's a line of people and I just was shaking hands with people and meeting people. And I always just am amazed at all the just amazing people that God is, it's just, it's just amazing. I leave so encouraged. I'm like, wow, this ain't even fair. And that's like one class. I think we could change the world with just this class. And I just shook hands with all these people and I noticed there's one girl at the back lagging. She's about 23 years old. And I, and I just, it, it changed me. I mean, again, I've told this story a hundred times. I've seen so many people saved by it because I, I think we all can relate to her. I said, well, what's going on? And she had tears in her eyes. And, and she said, I, I came to church today and 
I just, man, I, she said, I took a risk and came to this class and thank you for everything you said. And she'd been in a Job season. I mean, honestly, my compassion, I was like, I don't know if all this is real. She had recently graduated from college. She'd had three different jobs. She lost her best friend in a car accident and she had had her engagement. She's going through this. I'm just like, wow, you know, just my father heart. I was like, who's your dad? Can we help you? I just, I just thought, man, it's a lot of, lot of challenge. And I, she said, and you know, my, my family, they don't, they don't serve God. And I came here and I just, I, I felt so safe. I felt so, I felt something here. I, I, I don't know what I was feeling, but it's like, what, what is it? I said, it's the presence of God. So you, you feel the presence of God. You're feeling how God feels about you. She said, I felt so, so good. I felt so safe. I've had all these problems. Then I looked at her and I said, and God's proud of you. He's so proud of you. You could easily be mad at him. You could easily be running from him. You could easily be angry with all the stuff you've had go on. You don't have any family supporting you and you came to church by yourself. You didn't just come to church. You went to 101 to get plugged into the church. I'm just like, he's proud of you. Tears in her eyes. She's like, wow. And I know, I don't know how changed she was by it, but I was forever changed because I had this thought when I drove away from church that day, we all have that 23-year-old girl inside of us. We all have this, does God see me? Does he know what I'm struggling with? I'm trying to work my way through this. I'm trying to make this happen. I'm trying to fix this. And why is everything stuck in the tree? Why is it all up in the tree? This ain't working out like I wanted it to. And then we get in his presence. And it all makes sense. And half of it doesn't matter. Half of it doesn't matter because we get in his presence. I'm going to ask you right where you are. Lord, I'm asking you to go beyond my words from this message. And I'm asking you to touch every single person listening to me. Touch them, Lord, not in some just intangible way or just some religious response, but I, I pray that there would be a knowing in what they're carrying. There would be a, 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 an understanding of what they're burdened by. There would, there would be a purifying Lord of all of us because that's what you said you wanted to do in our hearts and lives, Lord. Some of you, you just need to say, Lord, I repent for trying to fix everything. I repent for being angry about everything because the anger of God does not work. The anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. And Lord, I repent for being mad about everything all the time. But Lord, I repent for trying to fix everybody else when you want to do something in me. Lord, change my heart. Change my heart. Turn my heart toward you. I see my need for you. I want to be in your presence. Fill me with your presence. Thanks for tuning in to Prepare Fall 2020. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.